What was the name of that show we actually watched? <laughs> uh, probably should remember. Don't worry, because the only reason I remember it is because one minute before you called, I looked at the notes I wrote down. It was Dai Maju Gekito Hagane, aka Battle of the Great Demon Beast, colon, Demon of Steel. And if that sounds like a promising title, well, then you might be disappointed. <laughs> Imho. <laughs> because Jeezy Creasy. I thought that show was really boring. I think, and I'm going to go out on a limb here, that they did not have very much money to make it. Well, <laughs> I felt like you could kind of see where they put their money, and it was in, like, those three minutes towards the end where they had a music montage. <laughs> money well spent. This was a pretty great montage. Yeah, I mean, I, I almost perked up at that point. I was like, oh, I remember when anime, like, almost contractually had to have one of these moments where but, it kind of sounds like the dude who does, like, like the get-a-robo theme, say, like, I don't know. I'm sure he is, like, whoever this guy is, is, like, one of the famous anime recording artist because he sounds so familiar but if yeah. you think about like the music montages in md geist that's kind of what you're talking about that was probably their like proof of concept for the proof of concept yeah that was the greater work mm -hmm. so they they brought that to the investor meeting and they showed off this amazing montage and then the bottom completely fell out they're like crap yeah. We have to make an entire, what, how many much more time do we have? To, we have 57 <laughs> minutes to oh, film. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. Actually, looking it up on Wikipedia, um, it's some creative staff that we know quite well, such as Masami Obari, who in the nice. past has been responsible for Virus Buster Surge, <laughs> Battle Arena Toshinden, uh, which I know we talked about. He just couldn't give up on all the pointy feet and... Weird-looking bodies. Yeah, the two episodes in the middle of Bubblegum Crisis that nobody remembers. <laughs> like the evil car, and I think the lesbian space vampire robots, I want to say. Was Who doesn't eyes. remember that one? Well, it's I got just, all of my favorite things. It's just, how how can you remember Dave, it that, in the face that, of the bookends of That Mad episode Machine? of Bubblegum Crisis was my twilight. <laughs> I'll always I was remember, always on Team Pris. help me, lucky left nipple. Um, <laughs> coincidentally... Cascarati is now 10 years old. 10 years plus 16 days. Nice. Uh, and I got a handful of emails. I got a, There's a lot of voicemails, and I'm just going to cram those all in at the end. From People Super actually sent us voicemails? Yes, people like Evan Minto and a certain Golgo13. Evan Minto. Did he sing us a song? You wish. I he wish. Said, I do wish. That's not even... I Yeah. This ain't no open mic. He's not going to get some sort of indie, darling indie lady to buy him a coffee after his set by sending us a voicemail uh, in song. I like to feel like that's where our crossover appeal is. Anime fans and darling indie women who you'd want to buy you coffee at your local I coffee shop. I don't think that has ever been true. I think that's where Evan Minto's crossover appeal is. <laughs> we don't have the hair for it, Joel. We also cannot sing or play guitars. No. <laughs> so, just striking out on all all sets. Hey, I'm almost I own a lot of plaid shirts. <laughs> I could have I could have done it. I could have been a indie love contender. Yeah, in a different life. 
you need to be born a little later. No way, I could I could be the desperate hanger on. People are regularly confused mm-hmm. by how old I am. No, I got that like I mean I still get that all the time at work, but I was in the kitchenette making a coffee like a couple weeks back. I'm talking to this dude who like is one of those work people you talk to a little but you don't know what their name is or what they do. Like, you know, you're just sharing an office with like four different departments. So I'm talking to him. He's like, oh, classes are starting up soon. And I'm like, I'm 33 years old. But I appreciate your gross misjudgment of my age. Because <laughs> at this point, like, I've I long past make my, made my peace with it. And now it's like, not exactly a compliment, but I'm like, I'm getting to be the age where this is not, this is going to become more of a benefit than a problem. Like, it's less, I don't get carded for beer as much. Like, that's not the frustration. It's more like, oh, my body's going to hold up, at least in the face. The tummy <laughs> is a different... <laughs> and that's the moneymaker, man. Yeah. <laughs> How do you think we kept up 10 years of podcasting with this kisser? <laughs> yes, our audio-only podcast mm. has been kept alive by people's fascination with what our faces might look like. Yeah, what could they be? What kind of flannel shirts are they wearing they're, today? They're round. Their feathered hair. You used to have yeah. somewhat feathered hair, borderline. I did. Yeah, I mean, my hair's sort of naturally feathered. It gets uh, the, the waviness. Yeah. I mean, it's no Evan Minto, but you are. <laughs> Why do you think Crunchyroll hired him? Hey, man, that Samurai's gift could have got me a job. Also, if I had, you know, actually majored in something useful in college, no, uh, that also could have gotten me a job. Well, Joe, at least we don't live in Japan. Because as I just discovered, Japan is strong-arming their public universities into closing off their humanities departments. Which is really kind of, I mean, I, why did it, why do you care about society's needs, Japan? You don't even produce enough people to have a society. <laughs> they're, I mean, they were basically like... You're going to have robots. That's because they need people who can make enough robots to care for them all when they're yeah, dying. We need to get Rojin Z going. You think a philosophy yeah. major is going to handle that? The soft sciences? No. We need people who can manufacture the things that manufacture heavy metals. Just one brave man in the back raises his hand. Yes, Tanaka. Does anybody realize the irony of citing a work of art? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sorry. Shutting down our humanity. If you're, get out of here, Tanaka. The Abbott government. Don't understand irony. We are all engineers. The only irony we understand is in the nature of the universe, like particles existing in two places. That's ironic. Which is just like, it was just like crazy to me. I mean, I guess it's, it's not, not crazy that crazy. At all. Because that, like, like, this Abe government apparently is the worst thing ever, and it's just like slipping underneath the radar because there's so many worse governments. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think it's really that crazy. The whole world is going that direction. Yeah, but it's like really it's kind of weird. There's this great moment. I can't remember exactly which, um, which book it's in. Uh, and now I can't remember the name of the guy, which is super embarrassing because uh, he's real Will famous. Stevenson. You're talking about Diamond Age. No, <laughs> no. Uh, a Christmas. Charles Dickens. Nell's older brother. Wow. Gets no, the Charles black Dickens. Lung. Charles Dickens has this great quote about education where he's talking about children being like urns in a foundry, being just filled with molten 
scalding hot knowledge mm -hmm. like they're basically just here to kind of receive this incredibly industrialized form of education i mean that's just kind of been the way of things even in america that's where things are kind of going i know that we we don't do it that much or nobody's threatened to shut down any humanities programs but i mean nah man that's that's just it you got to be able to get a job now yeah. Why do you think the government's finally cracking down on places like Phoenix? It's not because it's because they didn't produce any viable job candidates. For me, you it's guys, just like, the lie that we told to the poor is becoming way too evident if you don't actually get them degrees or jobs. Yeah, it's just for me, it's just messed up that I, I mean, maybe it's better that the Japanese are just being so bald faced about it. They're just like, hello, we don't care about any of this shit. Whereas in America, it's just like, Oh no, you're just going to be a persistent joke and you will live a life of ruin. Which isn't even really true. You can do just fine with a humanities degree. Oh, sure. You can do just as well as you would with your undergrad in business arts. Yeah. Like that's even meaningful. I mean, the real problem with the entire higher education system is that college is the new high school. Yeah. It's the baseline. You mean your family didn't have access to credit markets when you graduated from high school? Permanent poverty for you. I mean, I feel like we have not to say we're like some sort of like, you know, futurist or whatever, but we've been talking about that on this podcast for a while. Farther back than when we went to college, college was just go here and get a degree because you have to. Yeah. And it does not matter what your degree is in. It, it became that in the 90s. Like computer science. Yeah. The fascinating thing about killing all your humanities majors is sort of the real uh, the reality of the the marketing world i mean <laughs> I, I i i was reading an artist in the floating world by kazuo ishiguro mm -hmm. which is all about this um artist who was part of the what amounts to the imperial conspiracy to create an image of japan with his art so he's adopted into the upper echelons of society and is sort of I mean, he, I don't think he would be considered essential, but after the war, he's certainly considered a pariah for his role in constructing the vision of Japan pre-World War II. And so it's, it's really fascinating when you have these people abandoning humanities degrees when the humanities are the only thing that can compete with that kind of thing. If all you produce are engineers and scientists and stuff, it's, I'm not saying those people are dumb, but I'm just saying that if, if you don't actually want to have a, a society with a rich kind of cultural immune system to, you know, crazy dogmatic fascism, you need humanities people. Yeah. You need people who are going to do like crazy, or not even crazy things. They're just going to be able to like look at a speech and say, well, that's a lie because historically that's not true. Or, you know, I know rhetoric and I can see where he's basically flubbing his argument. That's a total derailment. People like that Kazuro Ishiguro, though. A, he's okay. like he's been coming up a lot recently. It's a, he just released a book, so yeah. he's getting a lot of press. But like, that book is kind of boring. Yeah. I think he really his zenith was definitely his first novel, Remains of the Day. Um, Clearly, a masterpiece. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, um, I guess. That came out not a while ago, but earlier in the year, and I remember Ursula Le Guin like taking a shit on it. Which one, the Bury Giant? Yeah. Or the, yeah. 
No, it's it's basically boring ass fantasy. Yeah, that's too bad. <laughs> What's your favorite genre? Perhaps Kazuo Ishiguro could produce a boring version of it. <laughs> I uh, mean, Never Let Me Go was like the most boring sci-fi book you've ever read. It was still pretty good, but I, I basically reviews of yeah. the Buried Giant, from what I understand, or the Buried Giant, are that it is just inescapably boring yeah, fantasy. I keep thinking about picking it up, and I have not. And at some point recently, I was like, wait a minute. All the greatest works of literature are literally available for free. Like, I don't even have to steal them. I could just go on, like, Gutenberg and yeah. download anything I want that was written 100 years ago. So I did some of that. Like, in the meantime, I read this, like, mystery novel, Japanese mystery novel called The Devotion of Suspect X. And let me tell you. A Charlie Chan mystery? No. If you, if you think Japanese writing is perfunctory, you have not encountered a Japanese mystery novel. Which is like, because mystery novels, you feel like, by and large, it's a genre that sticks to a script, like, pretty hard. Uh, it doesn't really delve too deeply into themes or character development. And then you sort of layer that, like antiseptic, dispassionate Japanese writing style on top of it, and you have just a book that feels like it is made of nothing. <laughs> and like, you know, with, with stuff that's translated, you never know. It's like, how much did the localization guy mess this up or whatever? Who knows? I'm just saying, like, I've read a lot of Japanese novels at this point, and some of them I've enjoyed, but most of them I've read have been, like, shockingly straightforward. And the fault of some of that is probably because a lot of these things that come over here are like the equivalent of YA. But well, it might also... I, I, I have this book called Legends of the Samurai. I think the guy's name is Hiroaki Sato. Mm -hmm. But he translates all these old stories from, you know, medieval Japanese texts that are supposed to, you know... They're, they're basically the, the literary history of Japan. Um, and he, <laughs> he puts these the beginning kind of summary on everything and and some of them a lot of them are about you know a samurai writing poetry to a woman and the kind of intellectual jousting that's going on in that writing like the cleverness of each party and he has to spend so much time explaining to you the different aspects of the poetry it, it, I, I wonder if that's not at least part if that doesn't bleed over into modern there's this huge amount of understood information between writer and audience that unless you're Japanese you are not going to get yeah I mean there's definitely some of that because like I was I was just reading this book about kind of um it was delving into the the birth of the modern Japanese novel and sort of describing how like at this time it's in this transitionary period in like the late 18th or 19th century where they're sort of moving away from describing people through um, kind of like aphorism or something. You know, like she, she, her face was like the sunswept Sakura petals on the first day of fall. Like that or, yeah, you know, he, he had an aspect like the Western Gate of Fuji. Yeah, so it's just like that sort of thing. I don't know, but like after, uh, in college, I think I read the book that Rashomon was based on. It's a, it's really easy to read, like it's not a dense book, but it's this series of short stories by this guy, Kudagawa, and like the language is not complicated, 
but the themes expressed are like fascinating. Like there's this, just this one, it's called like Yam Gruel, and it's about this samurai who's like of a very low station and not popular in the court, and he lives for the one day a year where you get summoned uh, to the daimyo's palace and you get to eat this yam gruel. And like the story is just about him just being this sort of like dunce that's like following around this boisterous lord at the promise of like yam gruel. He's just being sort of a dope and then he finally gets like all the yam gruel he could eat and they're like, hey buddy, eat some yam gruel, you fucking nerd. And he's like, yes, I am a nerd, ha 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 there's something going on there. I guess maybe it's unfair to compare like, you know, early 20th century literature to like what is functionally dime store murder mystery novels. But don't you have some idea in your head when you're writing this book or you're just like literally, I just want to set up like a really simple puzzle for somebody to figure out or not. I don't know. It just kind of bums <laughs> me out. Or I don't know. Like, I, I I, mean, I read All You Need Is Kill, and, like, I thought there was some interesting stuff going on with that book, but it's just like there's, they're always, they're all very, very straightforward. <laughs> I don't know how to, <laughs> other way to describe it. It's just like there is no meat on them bones. Like, a, a lot of the, um, like, contemporary Japanese novels I've read are just like, uh, what you see is what you get. <laughs> Mm. I don't know, it just sort of bums me out. And I don't know, I, I was, like, I used to read these, like, uh, Chinese murder mysteries that were written by a Dutch guy. About like, Charlie Chan? In the 1940s, no. It was about Judge D. And, Ooh, Inspector D. Yeah, so he's, like, a famous quasi-historical figure, you know, who knows, because he's from, like, the 7th century. Yo, and, he is not real. I've seen several movies I mean, about he, him. Yes, and there's he fights no like way <laughs> he fought that water dragon. No, I mean, also, sure. there's no way that even in Japan, where there is, or not, I'm sorry, even in like medieval China, where I am certain the word, like, no kind of non technical joking term for penis is dick, that somebody named Inspector D would not have. People constantly gesticulating at their crotch when he came in the room and introduced <laughs> hey, yo, himself. Yo, it's Inspector D's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Inspector, Inspector D. Have you heard about the developments in the Bofa case? I've got the French disease, Inspector D. I'm not a doctor. Can you guys please stop making references to that? I was told to come and be a part of this agency and solve crimes because I'm very observant. Mm -hmm. Also, the Emperor gave me this magical mace that lets me break swords. That is, I don't think that's in the original novels. <laughs> well, they just had to do something to let him compete with the mythical people that they were creating in these movies. He does not have a chance. His kung fu is weak. Well, there's always, like, I've, act, I've read some, some of the, like, stuff is translated stories of the original stuff, which I think was written in the 17th century. Um, and these sorts of Chinese novels always have some, like, very ephemeral aspect of the spiritual uh, so in, in the case of like one of the stories which this dude write where he tried to write it in the style of the thing like Judge D is being guided around by the ghost of this magistrate and at the end of the book it turns out that it was actually the magistrate's twin brother who adopted the costume of his deceased brother to solve his mystery or his murder 
And at the end of the book, he's like, hey, man, you really helped me out in that cave when you pointed at those boards, and I almost stepped at the boards, and then the, the bridge collapsed. I almost died. And he's like, I was never in the cave. And then, like, the last line of the novel is like, somewhere in the building, a door slams shut. And it's like, oh, spooky ghosts. But not really. Like, it's always some normal shit. Like, treacherous monks <laughs> using their crematorium to smuggle in gold from Korea. That sounds awesome, though. Dude, That's like the prestige level awesome. Uh, the, uh, yeah. The first book that this guy, Robert Van Gulick, wrote, I think, was The Chinese Gold Murders. And it's like maybe 200 pages, and it's really good. <laughs> like, it's just really cool. There's like three separate mysteries, and he really weaves them together in this intricate way where, just as a person who might like to write books at some point, I was really impressed with the craft involved. Because I was like, hey, I have an idea for a mystery novel, and it's not this complex. If you, know, you want to get an excellent example, and sorry to make this fast karate for the gentleman book review of books you've probably already read. If you want to get a book that kind of demonstrates really tight technical writing, you should read The Tenth of December. Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember the author's name, but it's a series of short stories, and he does all these amazing things with people moving through different like phases of cognitive ability as they're being augmented by pharmaceuticals. Uh -huh. It's incredible. Huh. Yeah, Ro I, is George, it like Robert George it's Saunders? Not, yes, George Saunders, the 10th of December. It's real, real good. Oh, I totally agree and that. it's not just like a technical feat. The stories are also interesting, but you'll read this and you can't even figure out how he did it because it's so perfect. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I guess that was, there's only so much time in the day is my feeling. So why waste it? So I read this, like, The Devotion of Suspect X, and it's like, woman kills her ex-husband because he was beating her daughter or whatever. And then the guy who lives next door who's obsessed with her is like, I will help you cover up the crime. I'm like a weird Japanese shut-in with no feelings. And you're like, so the whole book, they're like, how did he cover up the crime? And then the police finally crack the case. And it's like, oh, uh, he covered up the crime by murdering someone the next day and then staging that body to look like it was the ex-husband that they murdered so they could form their alibi for the day after. So the time of death would match up or something. And I was like, that's okay, I guess. It's just like, that's, that's everything that the book hinges on. And then you, by the time you finish it, you've already forgotten every character's name and what they wanted because they didn't want anything. <laughs> Like, they didn't grow. I don't know. Also, I played Metal Gear Solid Five, and that's a game with no story. <laughs> As you said in your review. I'm not, I, like, I'm not going to spoil the twist. There is, like, a... I don't think it's, like, necessary. I mean, it is kind of integral. But, so I played this game for, like, 60 or 80 hours. I, it was a lot of my life in a very short period. And I get to the twist, and it's a pretty decent twist. And it dovetails into the themes of the series pretty well uh which is kind of like you know there are no superhero soldiers there's just people who try really hard at like specific moments of crisis but anyway so grotz is sitting on the couch watching this um and she's like oh that was actually a pretty good twist i mean i didn't have to play this game for 50 hours for you to see it to see it and i was like yeah you didn't have to do this like far cry bullshit for like the IV drip of story they would occasionally turn on where everybody is a douchebag with no character development. 
which is like the majority of that book. Except for the guy they just made crazy. And it's like the guy, like Otakon's dad is just like a crazy pathological liar now. And it's like, okay, well, I guess it's Now, he's, but it's in, isn't it in the past? Well, but he's like never, I don't know, you know, this is all, I guess you would call it retconning. So it's like none of this stuff has been established. So like this guy who up until this point just acted like Otakon was driven so mad by the law, the chain of events set up by the vagina bomb uh, where they lost their base out in the middle of the ocean. They had to build a new oil rig that he like turned into a sociopath and is now just like, I didn't murder my wife. She killed herself. Wait, no, I did murder her because now you have evidence he was the guy that had the most characterization in the entire game because everybody else is just like, <laughs> Revenge, boss. The Phantom Pain. This is our Phantom Pain. Revenge being described as Phantom Pain is pretty cool, but that can't be where the idea stops. God damn it. That first video game level, and there's like a giant flaming whale, and they're hitting you hard and fast with like the Moby Dick references. And I was like, okay, this is going somewhere. And it's like, okay, now play Far Cry for 50 hours. If it's any consolation, Dave, everybody hates Konami now. I know. but <laughs> Everybody. Uh, it just bums me out. It's like, I don't know. As I got older, I started to like those Metal Gear stories more and more. Because I was like, well, at least he's fucking trying to do something different. And everybody else is just like, let's just make an open world game. And then he was like, let's just make an open world game. And let's have this like weirdly awkward thing where you ride in the back of a jeep with the villain for like five minutes as he takes you to the final con confrontation and explains his plan. And you never apply because Kiefer Sutherland probably costs a lot of money and so he doesn't have a lot of words, lines of dialogue. Uh, and then he finishes <laughs> his plan and there's like three or four more minutes of driving where they play this song and Kiefer Sutherland, a.k.a. Snake, is just staring at the villain named Skullface, who wears, like, a Zorro mask, like a domino mask, and, like, a fedora. And they just stare at each other, like, completely dispassionately looking like the, you know, animatronic dolls that video game characters are. And I was like, this is so awkward. And, like, really lame. And boring. <laughs> <laughs> and this game is boring. I don't know. I hate when people are like, but in open-world games they don't need a story because the story is how you played the game and i'm like yeah how i played the game is shooting everybody in the head with a trank rifle or trank pistol and then faulting them back to the base because you never had to do anything else because it's an open world game so they set those up so anything you want to do works which means you never have to commit any effort to actually playing the game so i always take the path of least resistance yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for the discovery in an open world game, but at the same time, like, everything has to be that. Yeah. And that discovery is often muted because it is a video game. You know, it's, it's kind of nice when a story reveals something. For instance, when we discover a new particle in the middle of a Hadron Collider, maybe that particle will open up a portal, a alternate dimension. Another dimension. Maybe it's not really, they don't go into that much detail. They discover a quark in 1996, um, and they use that quark to create a satellite laser from Akira. Oh, by the way, uh, the other person that worked on this is Koichi Ohado. Ohada. You remember, because he directed MD Geist, 
And this came out after MD Geist. So you think How's that, that guy not just printing money at that point? Well, you think it would just be more crazy. <laughs> but instead, this is like the most unremarkable he, show I feel like I've seen in a long time. No hate they on couldn't have had. Book. It had to be money. Who suggested it? Uh, get open sketchbook on Twitter. I mean, he just, I was like, is there any 80s anime left that would be worth doing? And he like Googled something. I was like, this one looks like it might be promising because he said, like whatever, wherever he looked it up was like warning, uh, objectionable content significance. <laughs> That's on that. Well, he didn't understand that the objectionable content was how boring the entire show was. Well, I guess Anime News Network doesn't have that like, sort of discretion to their <laughs> rating system. <laughs> I mean, they did have a weak ass Akira scene where a guy gets crushed into the side of a hallway. Yeah, I guess. It's like, when Haruka goes nuts with the power. Yeah, I get. He was in fact he, he's pretty much just the android from Alien, but like, <laughs> but he's actually possessed by an alien. But you know, he's like wandering around looking all shady, and they're like, "What you doing down there?" And he's like, "Nothing. Crush you against the wall." No. All right. So to break it down for you guys, they've already described it, um, but there is a research facility that's on an entire island and it is dedicated to uh you know particle research they discover a particle that they call something in the show i've already forgotten because is it it's the sansara particle no uh, that, that is not it all caps. maybe that was the name of the island <laughs> that, that might have been so anyway they fire this laser to test it because I don't know why it's more effective than other lasers, or they, why they discovered, lasers, yeah. which to this point I understood to be mostly light anyway. Anyway, they shoot a beam at a, at a battleship, or at the ocean, and as a result, that opens up a portal that summons a weird interdimensional rock thing <laughs> that just sinks to the bottom of the ocean. And that's where our, we meet our two heroes, Takuya and Haruka. And they're like, oh well. And then Takuya's like, I'm quitting. They're not like, oh, well, I'm quitting. They have the worst boss in the history of ever. They're underwater. <laughs> there's like all this crazy. There's a there's some energy field emanating. They have to. There's these two guys in a sub. And they do the animation equivalent of the bridge of the Star Trek where everyone <laughs> shakes around when they're getting shot. Because it's just like flashes back and forth between Takuya and Haruka going, ah, yeah. ah, but it's just their frozen faces in pain. <laughs> well, I was sitting there Which like... is something that happens often in this show, where there'll be a weird, just still scene that goes maybe a little too long. We didn't have a lot of money. I know the whole point of OVAs is you're supposed to have like more money, but we didn't. I was sitting there like, is testing a laser in the ocean really a good idea? What if you evaporate the entire ocean? Dave, they didn't care. They did. The, they probably For did something science, worse. They summoned an interdimensional god of destruction. <laughs> but anyway, so they summon this thing, and the two guys in the submersible are having real trouble getting close to it because, you know, it is a giant thing sinking into the ocean, emitting electrical pulses everywhere. And their boss, the director, says, you stay down there and get me a sample. If you come up, I will shoot you. Which makes you wonder, why is the research vessel equipped with guns? Well, why is that some even sort of an option? Involved. It's like, what are these guns for? I don't know, in case we have to shoot the ocean? Yeah. 
uh, anyway, there are guns and we will shoot you if you don't bring me back a sample. Yeah. And so Takuya, I think totally reasonably quits his job. Yeah, he's like, Because the day my boss threatens to shoot me is the day I am out. It is also the day I collect a hefty sum in settlement fees. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's like, I've been talking about this with HR. (laughs) I think I have a real case on my hands. Uh, Because you threatened to shoot me with guns if I didn't remain under the bottom of the ocean where a giant mythical monster just teleported in and sunk like a stone. They're like in the interview with HR, like there's a, they have the mediator there. He's like, you threatened to shoot me. That's because you wouldn't go out to dinner with me. <laughs> HR guy's like, whoa. He's, he's fingering the butt Please of his pistol stop. right there. Uh, were we recording Wearing that? like a bandolier oh, no. of bullets. He looks over, the lawyer has just got his head in his hands. <laughs> No, it's okay, because they sign contracts that they can only resort to arbitration. And arbitration always sides on the, with the company. So, I don't know, man. It was just really awkward. He threatened to shoot me. He constantly was, you know, sending me materials related to Inspector D. <laughs> it was, uh... <laughs> oh... It's like, you were a handsome young man. I wanted to sleep with you, and you refused me, so then I threatened to kill you. We are all screwed. This is we're we're all gonna lose How our jobs. How is this guy leading the project? <laughs> just because he threatened to shoot anybody, and I'm trying to, he just took out the gun and said, "I'm in charge now." <laughs> also, he just shot the like legal brief I prepared for this meeting. <laughs> uh. So yeah. Anyway, that was a. As I was watching that scene where they were underwater in the the submarine or whatever you want to call it if submarine isn't a sufficiently technical term but they were when they were underwater they they really did just keep flashing back and forth between takuya and haruka and the outside of this rock monster and they would they were making sounds like something painful was happening yeah. but they were not animating it like mm-hmm. anything dangerous was happening that's cuz the lovecraftian influence of the monster was like fucking with their perception and ours <laughs> yeah uh, i don't know what lovecraftian ancient demon affects animation budgets we'll just call it the king in yellow yeah the king in <laughs> yellow was holding court true detective season 0 and slashing right here. Isn't that the name of one of Lovecraft's guys? Yeah, well, kind of. Essentially, yes. Uh, or is it the Yellow King? Y- yes. It's like somebody else who preceded him wrote about it. But, you know, in that time, everybody was just sort of poaching from everybody else. So it eventually got absorbed into Lovecraft canon. Look, I know too anyway. much about these boring-ass books. <laughs> Don't fault me for it. Fault the internet who said some <laughs> wise and old racist was so great. I guess it never even got wizened because he died when he was like 30. Doesn't matter, man. I mean, Penguin Classics has published stories by Lovecraft and also some other guy that I have. But anyway, can't remember the name of that dude either. I'm being really bad August with Walker's Derelith? Today. Huh? August Derelith? No. <laughs> That's like the, I thought maybe you were, he's like the other Lovecraft mythos it's guy. just some dude that was writing weird stories about the english countryside mm-hmm. That'll happen. but anywho back to so to boring leaves, old ova land to Gloose, i think i should say it's his name yeah where's that last name from <laughs> i think somebody just stuck an l onto goose 
Now yeah, this is this was their this was their vision for Japanese Top Gun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I never should have left you. Do Haruka. they even say Haruka's last name? Is it like Isomendo? <laughs> Just wait for the volleyball scene, dude. I was wait. That would have been amazing if they had the two demons of destruction playing volleyball against two other just regular yeah. pilots this hardly seems fair <laughs> these guys are these 80 foot tall mecha suits all right well you guys can you guys can wear the suits but we get to serve first yeah they serve the ball haruka just absorbs it into negative space mm -hmm. opens his chest plates fires an energy beam disintegrates the nets and the opponent and the opposing team the director just shoots the ball anyway. Everybody back to work. <laughs> uh, what would you like for uh, lunch, director? I would like some pizza. Well, I knew that already because during our conversation, you shot the pizza. Yeah, I was going to say, bring it to me unshot. I'll luckily, shoot it myself. <laughs> luckily... That is the shooting pizza that we prepare for you every day because you only eat pizza and you insist on shooting at least one of the slices. I mean, we've had to resort to making Chicago deep dish just to make sure the bullet will stop. I'm just imagining him with like walking around with like a revolver at his hip and like a 10 gallon hat and a bandana like around his neck. He's just sort of like, I don't even whips think that's like, pow, 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 and then holsters it again. I don't think he ever holsters it. I just yeah, I imagine him like creeping around menacing people with the gun at all times. It's like you're in the bathroom stall next to him peeing and he's yeah. just got the gun sort of laying on his shoulder. No, he just, he just walks into the bathroom direction. and shoots each stall in turn to see if they're occupied. <laughs> oh no, that one wasn't empty. You, there's only there's only three urinals. You walk in, he just pumps four rounds into the empty urinal because <laughs> yeah uh, no way man not under my directorate you're the worst director you're not even a scientist that gun's gone to your head man <laughs> you're just a glorified Meanwhile, bureaucrat middle manager with your gun <laughs> meanwhile haruka has summoned a second demon from the void who is way better than the other demon? Sink into the middle of the ocean. They, yeah, they summon this one and keep it in a hangar. Yeah, but you don't know that yet. All you know is that Haruka has sent a letter. Takuya got a letter that says, "I'm Haruka. Help! Kill me!" Or I'm. <laughs> well, it doesn't dying. say kill me, but he says you're the only one who can save me. Yeah. The, it's like it's like we observed this the same magnetic phenomenon quote-unquote magnetic interdimensional demon beast phenomenon. So Takuya's like, I gotta come back. And then girl shows up and she's like, you never replied to any of my letters. And he's like, yes, Dude, he I dumped not. that girl so hard. Yeah. That broke my heart. I was like, damn, girl. Well, wait, was she like, I can go with you? And he was like, yeah, nah. Or was she more like, you no, she basically just like, said, hey, you know, what if I want to come with you or blah, 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 blah. And he's like, I don't do whatever you want. Hey, whatever. Why am I supposed to care? Yeah. I'm a disaffected anime protagonist from 1987. Do you think I have And we need to establish that as fast as possible. <laughs> the There's only... no fat in this OVA. We got to get these frames out the door. 
So we're quickly introduced to the rest of the cast, which is like military girl, ex slash ex girlfriend, uh, Haruka, who is like, I am stoic. And what are you talking about? I never wrote you any letters. Are you crazy? And like other girl who has a ponytail and has taken up the hobby of tarot cards. <laughs> and also wants to have sex with him. She's like, can I join you in your room? Absolutely not. I've got a scar on my eye and some motorcycle glasses. And I am too cool for this. The only thing I care about is my BFF Haruka, who I left and now feel guilty about it. I don't know if he feels guilty about it. I think he's got a lot of unresolved issues. I don't know if he feels. He kind of feels bad. When she dies, he's sad. Yeah. Like when that molten jet just shoots out of the ground and destroys her. Yeah. He's a little sad. He gets right right back on his motorcycle. So you think Haruka is like, he's being cold but normal, right? Until he goes into the back of the research sector and stares up at the demon rock. And the demon rock stares back for like 45 seconds. uh, Because as discussed, this show has no animation budget. So it's seriously like half a minute where it's just like, there's Haruka, there's the demon rock. Nothing's and happening. They're like, I feel like they're kind of zooming. Yeah. Just doing a little, little pan and scan. It is kind of fitting that we were you were talking about mystery novels earlier because this show tries to be a little bit of a mystery because it, it shows you the picture of that rock and then you know you're always wondering about it and the rock is now classified and you can't get access to the rock uh-huh. and then when you realize where the rock has come from that's when it's revealed that haruka is you My know God. hanging out with his own giant pet rock he's like man i love you and that I rock you, has you. the same veiny exterior weird it has bum, the same veiny bum, exterior as bum. every robot this guy has drawn like seriously, we watched Genocyber for this show, and that might as well just be the thing from Genocyber. It also looks—I mean, the robots look a lot like the armor from MD Geist. Yeah, and also like basically but Death Force, less football esque, shall we say? Yeah. Well, I mean, the armor, but if the Death Force—if you had made one of these guys like have a horse body, yeah. it would look just like Death Force. God. They don't make them like they used to, by which I mean one year before this anime was made. It's like, what happened, man? I couldn't remember Charles Dickens earlier, and I'm pulling facts about M.D. Geist out of thin air. Yeah, that's dangerous. Remember when he kills the robot and inside is a smaller robot? (laughs) I just, I can, in my mind, I'm picturing a frame-by-frame recap of the Death Force centipedes eating that guy's face. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, Rain Man can count cards. I can remember. Yeah. Late eighties, early nineties anime. It's all coming death back scenes. to me. Can also remember the scene from Bow where he melts that dude's face with his hands. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because we made an animated GIF out of that one. <laughs> I spent a lot. Of, that was that was my best GIF. Yeah. <laughs> Truly, I peaked. I peaked so young. <laughs> uh, Listen, I have a hypothesis about the Malhuder Beam incident. It you was another you got dimension. The name. It is Malhuder. Yeah, I remember. I wrote it down because it's the Malhuder Beam. Only director has access. Why? <laughs> it's like, irrespective of who he is 
and his uh, firearm proclivities, let's say. Like, why does this dude on a research base have access to the satellite from Akira? Like, especially since the military is involved. He would basically, in order to achieve that level, he would basically be in the military, I think, at that point. Or maybe this is more like Elon Musk. It's like, private industry's got to do advanced science now. The government sure as shit isn't doing it. Uh, And we advance science by making laser beam, and we've trained it on the White House. Here are our demands. Free snacks in the cafeteria. (laughs) Buses for all our employees. Get poor people out of our city. Dude, speaking of, if if you actually want to know what the advanced research the government is doing, I heard a radio story about DARPA. Mm -hmm. It's terrifying. They're basically trying to figure out mind control. Majestic 12. Men who share goats. What's the other one? There's like the what? What's the one that's mind control? There's like a specific name for it, and it's like one of those crazy. Oh, Project MK Ultra. I just are you sure it I... wasn't? Are you Dave? Are you sure it wasn't Charlie Chan? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Project MK Ultra. Yeah, the CIA's mind control program was the code name given to an illegal program of experiments on human subjects. Designed and undertaken by the United States Central So, like, their services. their mind control was effectively a Mountain Dew advertising campaign. Mm-hmm. They were like, also, you get codes for Halo Reach. You buy this? <laughs> that was the mind Project control. Project MK Ultra. Oh, man, grenade skins. They don't even bother hiding it. They just, you know, put lightning bolts on the can. Yeah. On um, it, like, the, the it's like, it's an energy drink associated with gaming. You read on the back, may result in government control of your mind. We slept right through the takeover. It already happened, and we were willing participants. Just had to get that due. I mean, I, 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 we're already on the verge of that anyway. People don't care what they consume at all. Yes. And this became totally clear with the Rainbow Doritos. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not complaining about the political statement of Rainbow Doritos. I'm complaining about the fact that no nacho cheese color or flavor is like pink. If you look at the array, they're basically just admitting that nothing about Doritos is natural. It's real, yeah. But yeah, in the, the, year the of orange our color Lord, is irrelevant. We could have made them colored anything. Has there... Does real... Does organically produced nacho cheese even exist anymore? Like, I feel like it's just a slurry made from dead bodies. <laughs> like, they, the they figured out Soylent Green, and it's just like... Nacho <laughs> cheese is people! These cheese blasted Doritos are people. Well, that probably uh, you say that, but the, what the it's probably true because if you look at people that eat that really terrible canned nacho cheese, they look like they're kind of turning into it. Yeah, like they're they're innards. They're they're becoming just factories for it. That's the mm. real scientific breakthrough. Man, when somebody fuck. dies, they pretend they take them to the corner. Where but what the really GMOs? happens is that you go to a Tostitos plant. And they puncture you like a cyst and suck out all the nacho cheese. <laughs> Holy shit. Move over, 1984. Got a new dystopia. <laughs> but what a way to go, am I right? Mm. That's why I only eat Cheetos. <laughs> Cheetos. I can't even eat Cheetos anymore. I used to love them, man. When I was a kid, I would pound Cheetos. <laughs> I had a real problem. Now the only time I make reference to Cheetos is when I'm making a joke about smoking weed. <laughs> like, oh man, where are the Cheetos? 
Ooh. That sweet, sweet kush. Gotta uh, wash it down with some cheats. I really feel like that comic about eating with chopsticks shined a light. It held a mirror up to ourselves. <laughs> and we, we did not like what we saw. <laughs> oh, man. So anyway, back to the saga of Takuya Everything and Haruka. connected to this experiment from three years ago. It's not even an experiment. You shot a laser. I wonder what's going to happen when we shoot this laser. Are we going to evaporate the whole ocean and turn the world into Mad Max? I feel like at that point it's a test. Like when they were blowing up nuclear bombs, they don't call that the nuclear bomb experiment. (laughs) Well, I feel like that would be a little... They would just be admitting too much that they called it the nuclear bomb experiment. If you're calling this an experiment, um, what is your hypothesis? Well, we believe that the long-term effects on the local population will be cancer and birth defects. Um, the short term will be a big explosion Melting. that blinds some people that are dumb enough to look at it. Anyway, let's go get drinks in Las Vegas. Because that is why Las Vegas is there. Really? I mean, I guess it makes sense. As a, Yeah, it's a city at first developed out of its proximity to our nuclear yeah. bomb facilities. But so, yeah, so Haruka and Takuya ultimately show down when... I don't even know. Do they explain why the military shows up? Well, the military is kind of always there, I thought, because the, the one girl, Rio, the, like, lost love, is part of the military. Uh, but they come out in force. Uh, I don't know why, question marks. Listen, <laughs> I wrote down when the first thing, the first bit of action in the show is 27 minutes and 58 seconds in when he smacks that girl into a wall. And she is dead, and she'll never read tarot cards again. And her only crime was trying to have sex with Takuya, in which case, find the whole base guilty. Because <laughs> that seems to be where the show is going. Well, oh, that's, uh, yeah, because she's the one who helps Takuya get access to the restricted files. Yeah, so he can look it up on the computer screen from Aliens. Like, or Alien. Look, I'm telling you, this show just, like, they saw Alien... And they really absorb some of the core concepts. Are you really... sure they saw Alien? Maybe they just saw Lily Cat. Yeah, it's a, well, I don't know if Lily Cat existed yet, but <laughs> it's like it just felt very derivative in that in that way. Man, remember Lily Cat, which came out the same year. And look, I don't want to praise Lily Cat, but it was better than this <laughs> by a lot. <laughs> like so much stuff happened in that. Mike Reynolds had the lighter with his wife that his wife engraved, and she, but she was dead because they got divorced, and he kept going into space. And every time you come back to space 80 years later, your daughter's older than you are, and there's nothing to live for, man. Anyway, in this show, Takuya, as shit is going down, Takuya gets a normal call from his normal friend Haruka, who's like, hey, I'm at the bottom of the ocean. Help me out. Free me or whatever. Is he at the bottom? Yeah, or I guess he says, like, go down to the bottom of the ocean, bro. It's the only way you can save me. And you're like, wait, is Haruka at the bottom of the ocean? No, he's just in the giant space particle room, crushing a phone so hard in his hand that he bleeds. (laughs) And so it's just like, is his real personality trapped inside? Is I it think that's. In the robot I, I feel like that's supposed ocean? to be what you think. It's just the story is so poorly told. You have to infer it. Yeah. 
And or that, it's I don't even think you have to infer it. There are moments where he comes back to the surface. It's just yeah. I don't I know. There's so, never yeah, any he's, suspense. He's still in it because he, he's like, bro, I killed Rui. Can't stop my power anymore. Now you have to have the sexy bike race in the forest and also tunnels because you have to go to the old research base or whatever to get the sample. You gotta get the sample you chipped off at the cost of your life because your director was gonna shoot you. What's really remarkable is yeah, they chip off the the research or the 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 first piece of stone, and when they return it to that giant mechanical monster, it absorbs Takuya but does not make him a bloodthirsty maniac. Yeah, because I was like the nice one or something. I, I don't know. know. Was there supposed to be some natural enmity between the two Maybe. beings yeah. from the beginning? I, I, anything is possible. See, this is all great art. It's open to interpretation. And they really internalized in this show by saying, wait a minute, we'll just not tell them anything. And then the answer could be everything. <laughs> and so the result is, yeah, 36 minutes in until telekinetic floating and demon throne eating commences. By which I mean Haruka finally decides it's his destiny to be consumed by the big-ass demon rock in his laboratory. And now Takuya has to do the same thing, and for some reason it's okay when he does it. Maybe that one's dead. Maybe it's, like, inert. And now it's just a robot suit. Because, I don't know, that one was, like, taking a dump in the alternate dimension, and this laser beam came out of nowhere and killed it while he was on the giant demon toilet. And so, yeah, they they took the piece out when he was in mid-deuce, yeah. and so he's had to, like, live in the frozen agony of that for yeah. however oh, long. Oh, my guts. I just ate a whole plate of those human nachos. And they wreak havoc with the digestive system, let me tell you. They actually so just pulverized the whole back human in. body. Like a like stones, and then just turn it into the nacho dust to scatter on the Doritos. <laughs> so good. Oh man, now I'm just imagining like slapping the stone on, and then just the entire ocean for miles. <laughs> it just turns here. brown. <laughs> 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 oh my! What is that? My word! <laughs> Director just starts shooting his gun. <laughs> Uh, did you see that thing that uh, Spanx retweeted this morning? Which, what was that? The medical student one. Uh, I don't know. So the, he he put on some he he followed some account that was like a doctor training thing, and uh, the guy it starts off with doctor or, or surgeon. Did somebody fart? Silence. <laughs> surgeon. I need to know if somebody farted. Our, or I may have perforated a bowel. <laughs> Medical student, I farted. It was, it's such, I laughed out loud for too long. <laughs> I, I was hoping you were saying for two hours. I mean, I kept going back to I had to, to go it. to the doctor. <laughs> It was so good. I would I shared that with like everyone that I thought would listen. That is amazing. It was like writing my senator. You're like, Bob Casey, as you consider the conflict in Syria, perhaps you should read this tweet. Mm. We really could come together. 
over some good loss like that. Just some good, strong uh, it's, loss. I, there's not even a context. You could probably translate that into other languages and nothing would be lost. Yeah. Everyone would think that was funny. Listen, every country needs doctors and everybody farts. <laughs> so that's all you need to know. The less popular companion to everybody poops. Because well, let's face it, it's great when a little kid learns to poop on the potty. Unconstrained farting is never okay. Oh man, so Takuya and Haruka face off. And it's a miracle that Takuya wins with the power of punching over Haruka's power of negating all matter. Yeah, well listen, in the true fashion of anime protagonists of this era, just getting mad is enough. You don't need talent or technique. Dave, that's still true today. Just be more pissed off. And I'm going to continue my campaign against Hunter x Hunter on this podcast. <laughs> show is boring. <laughs> you guys have no idea what you're talking about. It gets pretty good. Uh, I mean, look, it's one of those shonen shows. It is of a specific genre where good or bad are not really... They're not really Yeah, but I mean, like, haven't we seen that Shonen show? I mean, I feel like that's why you're supposed to grow out of it. Like, that's why your Shonen show was One Piece. <laughs> and, you know, then you just, you were done with Shonen because One Piece scratched that itch. It, it does feel like one of those things like MMOs say. It's like, you only, you get one is enough. And then you play, or open world games. It's like, all right, well, I've played Fallout now, so I don't need another one of these. I've had this experience and they're all the same. And I mean, I get it. The cool thing that I will say one apology for Hunter x Hunter. They do use the powers in interesting ways. They they find sort of practical applications for them that are logical extensions of those abilities. However, it's still essentially about natural talent and being pissed off, allowing you to punch somebody yeah. much, much harder. I mean, how, how deep have you gotten into the show? I mean, I watched, like, the first season and a half, and then I just looked up fights on YouTube. Yeah, you don't even know. Like, yeah, I, you know, I'm not... Are you sure? I watched <laughs> a lot of fights on YouTube. No, I'm just saying... I basically tapped out all of the... You don't know all the Hunter how, X Hunter much, fights. how correct you are. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty whack. Like, those shows are always about... I mean, I don't know. The reason I like Hunter, Hunter X Hunter is because... Um, it's, it's the same thing as, like, JoJo's. It's like, look at all these crazy, dumb powers. They're so crazy. Like, one of the guys is, like, a lone shark, and his powers, he puts this, like, little sprite on you that starts, he, like, gives you a loan of aura. He's like, I just loaned you 200 aura by punching you. And now that sprite is going to accrue interest on that loan, and you have to return the loan by punching me back harder. But That's cool. But the interest is going to keep accruing every 10 seconds. That would be great if they didn't have to spend 15 minutes in the episode explaining it. Yeah, I mean, it does get a little in the way. Because well, the they just keep stuff. on, they, they fall into that trap where they just keep cycling through new villains. Yeah. So it's like, hey, here's some new. And first of all, Hunter x Hunter is not as crazy as JoJo's. JoJo's is legitimately off the rails insane. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I cannot, I just can't do Hunter x Hunter, guys. I tried. I tried so hard. I mean, you watch the season and a half. That's like more than most TV shows are. Or most <laughs> anime shows, anyway. Um, I'm digging Mike Tool's recommendation of Mononoke. 
Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say that's good, but it's hard for me to, without having actually seen it, it's hard for me to understand it as a distinct entity from Princess Mononoke. <laughs> I just can't conceptualize it. Is very it. different. <laughs> yeah, I've heard a lot of people say that's that's really good. I don't know. I was like looking for an anime show to watch uh, the other night because I was so bored because I don't. I watch, well, I watch all of Code Geass, and that show is a sack of shit. Um, but, I mean, it's yeah, that's probably saying too much, or that's giving it too much credit, because actually what it is is just one of those boring-ass shows. Like, it's just so bland, and I it's just, like, it's kind of hard for me to wrap my head around why people would be interested in it, because, like, nothing... It, it's just a nothing show. Like, it's full of nothing characters, and they have this one idea where it's, like, that they got out of the Dungeons and Dragons monster manual. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, re I recognize that Gios is like a pre-existing concept, but like, no fucking way. You heard about that from folklore. You read it in Advanced Dungeons and Dragons first edition, you fucking nerd. <laughs> um, but like, so... The plot is that this high school good kid who's smarter than everybody else, because of course, knows he has a plan to fix the shitty country. And they're in this thing where, like, essentially, like, England remained in, in, in an empire and kept on going out and colonizing places. And so they forcibly colonized Japan. And now Japan lives under this English rule they call it Britannia and this like high school kid is like I know how to fix this and I'm gonna use my will to reform this country and like subjugate everybody but I can't do it until I get this power it's Death Note it's the same plot like except that this show cast the main character as more of a good guy but anyway the point I'm trying to get to is there is this insanely hilarious point at the end of the first season where this, like, princess is like, I don't think we should subjugate Japan anymore. And since I'm, like, the viceroy of this country at the moment, I'm going to say, like, Japanese people get their rights back. And so she gathers all the Japanese people in the thing. And the main character is her, like, long-lost brother or something. He's, like, this ex-prince that, like, they thought they assassinated, but he went to hiding. So he's like hey, guess what? Like, I'm this uh, vigilante that's been going around, like, stoking the fires of revolution. Uh, and the way I was able to do it is because I got this magic power called Gios. And she's like, what are you talking about? He's like, no, really, it would let me tell you if I told you to do something, you would have to do it. You would have no choice. Like, for example, if I were to say, kill all the Japanese people, you would have to do it. And she's like, oh, what? Kill all the Japanese people? And then she goes out and tells the soldiers to murder all the Japanese people. <laughs> and he's like, oops. And so the end, like the end or the major like tragedy of the first season is that they accidentally genocided a million Japanese people. Because <laughs> he was like, whoops. Sorry. And uh, the like sort of the kicker to that is in the second season, they try to enact this same plan. That they're like, we're going to get all the Japanese up in the stadium and we're going to give them their rights. So come one, come all Japanese people. Why would you need to be given your rights in one place? Well, I would not show up to that. It's meeting. like a ceremony. But that's what I'm saying. It's like, so like, yeah, 
15 or 20 episodes later, the next voice Viceroy is like, yeah, we're going to do it again. And people show up again. <laughs> <laughs> like, first off, the fact that a million people being killed by the government wasn't in, enough to incite like an all hands on deck revolution. <laughs> like that, you know, society, like the status quo basically remained as is, is one thing. But on top of that, they're like, hey, everybody come to the stadium again. It'll be good this time. Swearsies. <laughs> nah, but for real this time, yo, we mean it. <laughs> yeah, it's just like so crazy. Uh, and so, I mean, I actually kind of ended up appreciating it because I did that with like such a straight face. So I was like, you guys don't even know. But, I've got balls. But yeah, so I. I watched all of that while I played through Diablo 3, and I think it was some sort of thing where the mean was less than the sum of its parts. I think I just felt worse for having done those two things at the same time than I would have just doing one of them separately. Because <laughs> I would have felt bad about wait wasting so much of my life on watching all of Code Geass or playing through almost all of Diablo 3's campaign by myself. But the both together was rough. So anyway, uh, Takuya and Haruka punch each other, or Takuya punches Haruka into submission. The end. Also, did this stuff feel like Takagami Guardian of Darkness? Or am I <clears throat> just making things up? It might have. Maybe I should look that up now and see if the same dude was involved. I mean, it's hard to say what this feels like because all of the all anything <laughs> you would feel about the show is so totally muted by their inability to make you feel anything. Uh, wait, he also directed Ikitosen. Dude, arrest this man. Maybe this is why they're canceling the liberal arts programs. They're like, we can't have any more of this. Shut it all down. Everybody's gonna... What do you mean? Like, that's their number one thing. That's why stuff like prison school still gets made. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is the Japanese government. I mean, but the Japanese government is like, yes, export our culture as fast as humanly possible by our figures. Our president loves anime and also military actions. <laughs> but doesn't he love anime? It's so cute. Prime Minister, I guess. Either way, but they scream. They scream each other. They scream their names at each other, just like Kaneda and Tetsuo. Yeah, and then exactly like and that. Then Takuya punches him so hard he explodes, and then maybe the satellite fires again. <laughs> and then fades to black. Fade back up. Takuya is okay. He's floating on a gigantic metal missile in the bottom of the ocean, which is like, there's probably some sort of weird metal that floats. But, well, there are lots of weird metals that float. Battleships are made out of metal. Hmm. However... But that's good. That's because of ballast. What's well, about displacement. Ballast keeps you low in the water. Oh, yeah. That's the opposite of that. <laughs> I don't think... Missiles are made to float. Most of them are not. I don't know why you would have a lot of empty space in a missile to lower its density (laughs) relative to water. But who knows? He sure was floating. And then it's just, it's credits. Bam. Like, smash cut to the credits, the end. 
this is all the story you're ever going to get. Yeah, sort of like, and Takuya didn't die. The end. <laughs> yeah, yet. It would be amazing if that's what it's like, if it just came up black screen, and Takuya didn't die. The end. <laughs> all his friends are dead. All his loves are dead, his many loves, including Haruka. Credits. Character designs by Megazone 23 guy. And that's like, I don't know. For like something that was an hour long, it's hard to believe. It's just, it felt like there was maybe about four minutes of stuff in there. Like this could have been an animated short before a Pixar movie. They just compressed it all down. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it probably would have been a bad one, but yeah, they could have done that. Sure, whatever. Would have made just as much sense. So since we've been going for more than an hour, shall I read you the few emails we got? Sure. our 10th anniversary. Like Tyler says, hi, Dave and Joel. I've been listening to your podcast for years. Since I was in high school, I graduated college last year, and you've both been great, and you've both been great both times. I've got two big memories that stand out for me, though. In high school, me and my friends would hang out in the band room and lunch, Whenever there was a new 24 episode, we'd blare from a computer out loud and laugh a ton. New podcasts were a big part of our high school in-jokes. In college, I was at some college event talking to people from a course I was in. I mentioned listening to Dave and Joel, just talking about podcasts we like or something. One of my classmates mentioned he did too, and that's how I met my best friend. Thanks for all the years of laughs, Tyler. You're welcome, Tyler. I'm glad you liked it. It's also like... Sort of hilarious that it seems like a large percentage of our audience are like kids who started listening in high school. Maybe that's just when you have time to do those things. I don't know, man. I feel like people still listen to a lot of podcasts. I constantly have friends on Facebook recommending podcasts well, to me. Well, I mean, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts because I have a, a lot of time during the work day. Or like, I play Destiny sometimes. <laughs> Let's be real. Um, Jeremy says, while I'm not a true blue fast karate veteran <clears throat> with all 10 years under my belt, I have been listening since late 20, 2006. So, you know, pretty much all, all 10 years. That's nine years. I'm willing to round it up. Totally. You two maniacs have made a big part in developing my opinions on anime. I hate anime as well as contributing <laughs> to my sense of humor. I don't hate anime. <laughs> a good chunk of the storage space on my iPod is devoting to holding every episode of Fast Karate so that even now, all these years later, I can scroll through and pick an old one at random when my mood calls for it. You both achieved the ultimate goal an entertainer can ask for, your comfort food. You're my ears closest friends. I've tried on a ton of occasions to start up podcasts with friends with the goal being to replicate what you've done, but I can never quite do it and I don't think anybody can. The chemistry between you guys is too perfect. An anecdote. One time I was trying to join your forums, and I had to wait to be approved for membership. I waited a few days before deciding to email you guys about it. The method I chose was to record what my younger Bane thought was a humorous audio clip of me fumbling through asking you guys to approve my account. I got an email back from you guys saying something along the lines of, this next episode will pertain very specifically to you. It turned me into a terrified little boy who was afraid his favorite guys were furious at him. You weren't. All you said was the podcast was a general message telling people if they're waiting for approval, all they had to do was email their username. The sigh of relief was strong that day. Basically, greatest <laughs> podcast ever has affected my memories greatly. Bubblegum Crisis, Crying Freeman, Ninja Scroll, Dear S, Mad Bull, 20, Mad Bull 34, and 24. I have such happy memories associated with these things, and that really sucks because two of them are Dear S and Mad Bull 34. 
Thanks for all the years, Jeremy. P.S. Whenever someone asks, I tell them Joel sent me. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. But that was a good time in our life. That's, that was really fun, recording a, a podcast from the ADV booth with uh, Daryl. Back when it yeah. seemed like, I don't know, there was some form of relevancy. We had the, like, industry imprimatur. What industry? I mean, Chris Orr. <laughs> he took us under our wing. Under his under his wing. He took us under our own wings. And was like, no, don't let him tell you anything you're doing is wrong. You beautiful, dumb babies. Just keep being beautiful and dumb. I don't... <clears throat> I don't remember... Specific, I tried to look for the email he was referencing. I couldn't find it. I don't remember that. But I know exactly that feeling of like. Oh. I've been recognized, but in a way I don't necessarily understand. Yeah, you don't have like confirmation yet. You're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like in my heyday or in my day, I I've sent an email to people more famous than me, being like, "Hey, I could do this thing," and then you just sit there like, you know, the second you hit send, you're like, "Oh, I shouldn't have done that," and then you spend. Four or five days just being like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Maybe that's just me. My No, I have the exact same feeling as an adult. I tweeted at Gutex, mm -hmm. who is a member of like the great, my, well, one of my favorite shows on YouTube, uh, The Excellent Adventures of Gutex and Mike's Ro Mike Ross. Yeah. Because he had an Earth to Echo trailer on their, like a, a commercial before their, their show. And he swears a lot. Yeah. And Earth to Echo is a children's movie. <laughs> and so I tweeted at him. I was like, hey, Gutex, loved the Earth to Echo trailer. Kind of wish it had more F-bombs in it for that special Gutex flavor. And he tweeted back, lol, I was thinking them. And I was like, yes! <laughs> no, I mean, I, so I was just listening to, like, <clears throat> a recent Giant Bomb podcast the other day. And they like, hired me, dude. And they were talking about games, and he mentioned um, Walter Benjamin and the concept of aura, like um, as it pertains to art, and like how see when art was something that you had to see in a specific space, like that colored it, colored the experience in a different way than in the way now where art is replicable. And I was like. I really want to tweet at you that me and the Jay did a panel where we talked about that like three years ago, that exact Walter Benjamin thing, but I have no idea how I would phrase that in a way that didn't make me look like a total douche. So I just won't, I guess. Because, <laughs> like, I don't know. I just feel like... It's hard to not be the person on the internet clamoring for attention, yeah. even though you're trying to join in the discussion. Yeah, it's just like there's no way for me to sort of conceptualize where the line between participation and like pay attention to me and increase my brand bro is but like the people who succeed in life are the people who can do that or the people who like succeed in things like being creative on the internet are the people who have like no shame <laughs> well but i mean in a sense there's nothing to be ashamed of either if you're just trying to engage in a conversation you 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 don't like the the assumed assumption of an ulterior motive 
is what keeps you from interacting, yes. right? But listen, <laughs> is the, the, I feel like the, the percentage of shame in my life that is logical is very slim. Like, <laughs> there is no rational shame in my life. You know, that's like the weird thing about like, you know, nobody can like give you a like a put down because you've already sort of mentalized them all in your head. And it's so much worse coming from you that when like somebody says the same thing that you thought about yourself, you're like, nah, fuck you, guy. I'm not even worried about that. Like, none of this stuff makes sense. You I guess that's true. Act that way because you're dumb and your dumb brain sucks. Like, um, you have a lot of irrational shame. So like I sometimes <laughs> I don't know. Just think my penis is too big. Yeah. Well, it's embarrassing. I always gotta find these baggy pants. <laughs> so I don't embarrass everyone around me. Oh, shout out to Andor. Every time I get an erection, I pass out. <laughs> oh, man. I miss that guy. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Victor writes in to say, Hey guys, I bought a YouTube before via email, but I wanted to mail you this time to congratulate you on 10 years of awesome podcasting. I've been listening to the show since 2006. You've comforted me during some personally depressing times and entertained me at the best of times. Since I started listening, I've worked at several game studios and tech companies doing software testing. For the past few years, I've also been in school completing a belated creative writing and Japanese literature degree at the University of Washington. I moved from Seattle to Tampa and back, met several people, and experienced a lot of cool things. The reason I listened to these experiences is because you were always in my background those 10 years. And essentially became a part of my life. Naturally, it was interesting to hear about your lives, too. The move to New York, Joel's child, the jobs you two have had, and the apartment searching Dave always talks about. In fact, it feels a bit Truman Show now that I think about it. Things have changed for each of us, but no matter what the change, I still always listen to you guys. Podcasts kind of come and go, whether they stopped or I lost interest. But you two are the few stalwarts that have lasted, despite your changes or mine. From computer to MP3 player to iPhone. Let's not give any more sparkle or drama than it needs. This is a great podcast because a pair of fantastically entertaining podcasters with big fans and rallies and views. Not to mention, it's always a good day when Fast Karate is done and comes up on my podcast app. So, all in all, I guess it's been a good 10 years. Good luck in your devils. I'll always be happy to listen. Thanks. Let me confirm. I mean, so I think that's... I think we just got like three emails. We got a lot of voicemails. Like from Evan Minto. I love it that people waited for 10 years to send us a voicemail. Well, no, I I made a new voicemail line. Because I was like, if people want to record things, uh, I set up like a Google Voice account. Which like the most fun you can kind of do with that is Google Google Voice tries its darndest to transcribe those voicemails. And so it's kind of fun to look at the preview before you play the voicemail to see what it could possibly be about. But yeah, so yeah, I, I, I appreciate all the emails and I'll stick all the, the voicemails after that, including a very special message from a sensually gifted Japanese sniper you might be familiar with. <laughs> oh man. But I guess that's it. I certainly don't have anything further to say about this anime. Yeah. Neither do I. It's the first body. Except, have we really tapped out the 90s? There's got to be other stuff, right? Well, this is from the 80s, but I'm willing to take suggestions of 80s and 90s 
especially OVAs, because that's usually where like the gold mines are. But like, I, I don't know where the water is, so I can lead the horse to drink at it, so it won't drink. <laughs> so I need someone to just point me at it, because I don't know, and I'm probably not gonna do the work. Being real, I should just like click on the term OVA on Wikipedia and just roll the dice. Like, like what the fuck should I have for dinner.com? Just like, what the fuck anime should I podcast about.com? And then we can just leave the future of Fast Karate up to chance. Just Why not? Blame That's essentially what we've the done the whole time. Yeah, we've never really been that curated. Well, yeah, it's all—it's completely about whim. Sometimes too, it's actually because <laughs> I feel like people have made some good suggestions at some point, and I've probably forgotten them in the panic of the moment, just been like, "Oh, geez, we're podcasting. Uh, let's just do this." <laughs> but hey, man, I mean, that's how you discover things. Yeah, that's how it works. So whatever. Shall we clap? Let's clap. All right. One, two, three. Word up. Uh, we'll just drop. Come on, actually. She's like a warrior. Hey Dave and Joel, Wealthy Art Park here. Just wanted to say thank you for the years and years of fun and adventure that we've all had. In the end, the true highlight was you. Uh, hi, this is Drag from the Forums. I just wanted to wish you guys a happy 10th anniversary. Uh, I think the greatest compliment I can pay this podcast is that your art has inspired other art. And I just want to thank you for taking a chance on... Uh, a Christmas episode of Fast Karate Fan Fiction. It meant a lot to me just to be able to work my, with my heroes as you know, so few people get the chance to do. So, yeah, I can't wait for the Valiant Denim episode. Love VD! Oh, wait. Yeah, well, I'm not going to re-record this message, so have a good anniversary. Bye. 
hey, uh, I don't know if this is a little late or not, but uh, I just thought I'd talk about the very first time that I ever heard of Fast Karate. So uh, the first time I ever heard about Fast Karate was on an episode of ANCAST, where there was a question of what podcasters would win a fight to the death. Uh, I believe Daryl Surratt from Anime World Order said, probably Dave and Joel from Fast Karate, because they have Fast Karate. I remember thinking, Fast Karate, what could that show even be about? Fast forward five or so years, I'm not sure still, but it's my favorite podcast for a reason, I guess. Who knew that you could make that shot? Hey guys, this is John Day, a.k.a. Shaloop from the forums. Uh, I can't think of anything funny, so I'll just say uh, my life and I think the world in general are better because your podcasts are at them. Keep up the great work, guys. Happy anniversary, Fast Karate. Hey, this is Greg Gafanti calling from San Francisco or wherever the hell I live now. Happy anniversary, guys. Your karate is very fast, even after 10 years. Mazel tov. I have several people trapped in a room forced to listen to the rantings of Cogswell Pepperbox. If you don't want to read any gruesome headlines tomorrow, I suggest you meet my, de- my demands. I have three. The first is a bowl of chili. None of that fast food stuff. Real chili. With meat. And vegetables. And spices, whatever they put in that stuff. The second is also a bowl of chili. The third is also chili. I just really want some chili, man. Bye. Dear Fascarati for the gentleman, this is Rogswell Pepperbox, brother of Cogswell Pepperbox, and I just wanted to say I think your treatment of my brother over the years has been highly unfair. Cogswell is a well-respected member of the Anime News Network's forum community with over 10,000 posts. And he is a moderator of the subreddit forward slash r forward slash corpse party. He is a frequent Wikipedia editor, and despite interference from so-called academics, he has valiantly maintained the integrity of several anime plot summaries. Furthermore, what? Now, Mom! Mom, I've told you a thousand times, it's VoIP! It doesn't use your anytime minutes! No! No, it's not a sex thing. Ah, fine. Hey, Dave, Joel, and any other fast karate friends listening, this is Seth Squatchalus. I just wanted to thank you for the years of hilarity your podcast has brought to me. From Golgol 13, carrying a balloon, no baby could make that shot, all the way to the years-long saga that is the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure cast. And I look forward to whatever adventures you guys take in the future. Hey, Pascarade. It's your boy Ray Ray. Just calling in to say, thanks for all the free entertainment. Shit's a steal. Been keeping it real. Ten years. Thanks. Peace. Hi, calling in to thank Dave, Joel, and all the Fast Karate crew for all the podcasts, anime, streams, games, books, blog posts, and laughter over these last ten years. Thank you so much. Bye. Hello, Fast Karate for the gentleman. An eight-year vet calling in. I wish I could say that I was a ten-year vet. But I'm not. I'm taking it through many things. From Gogol's to JoJo's. From the aerodynamics of Baby Bones to the worst of Stan. It's been a pleasure listening. 
I hope we can listen throughout all time. And our peer, our drills will pierce that. Thank you, Bastardi. Yours, some guy on the internet. Hey, David Joel. This is Alex, creative on the forums. Just wanted to wish you guys the best. Uh, making it for 10 years. Here's to 10 more. And uh, wish you guys the best. Uh, hi, Dave and Joel. Uh, Niall Fennigan from Ireland here. Long time listener and uh, sometime question asker. Probably a, a day late with this, but I sent it anyway because I just want to say uh, congratulations on 10 years of podcasting and a great big thank you for the hours upon hours upon hours of entertainment. I used to work a lot of menial jobs and still do a lot of, kind of menial stuff anyway and really kind of listen to you guys uh, it made slogging through those hours of washing windows and folding laundry uh, a hell of a lot easier. And heck, <laughs> even today, I still don't know how I managed to get housework done without you. Also, I want to say thank you because listening to you guys sort of gave me and a friend of mine the confidence to try and pursue our own city little podcast ambitions. Uh, and through doing that, I've met a lot of cool and interesting people. I've learned a number of new skills and uh, mostly just had a lot of fun doing it. So thank you for all the laughs whenever I was feeling down, uh, for all the company on long bus and plane journeys. Love to be for being two cool dudes who I couldn't have more respect for in the world. Um, whatever happens to Fast Karate, wherever it goes in the future, those memories will always be ingrained in me. So congratulations and thanks again, guys. I'll catch you later. Hey, Dave and Joel, this is Evan Minto. I just wanted to call to congratulate you guys on 10 years of running, frankly, one of the, the best anime podcasts out there. Fast Karate means a lot to me, personally. I, uh, I found you guys through the, the incestuous circle of podcasters, Anime World Order, Ninja Consultants, all those guys, many years ago. And you pretty quickly won me over with just how, how funny you were and just how you had this really effortless banter between the two of you. But I think it would be a little simplistic to just talk about Fast Karate as a, a comedy show. I mean, you guys have combined that conversational comedy with really thoughtful commentary and critique. And I've learned a lot about a bunch of different topics like game design, classic literature, uh, networking terminology, and the life expectancy of 80 police helicopter pilots. And uh, I've met you guys in real life, and, and you're really some of the most kind, humble people that I've met. It's also not an understatement to say that I wouldn't be where I am today without your show. It was Fast Karate, Anime World Order, and others who inspired me to start blogging and podcasting about anime and video games. I met my first podcast co-host, uh, everybody's favorite Canadian, Mitchell Dyer, through the Fast Karate forums. My sense of humor and my taste for really weird 80s and 90s OVAs is definitely, at least in some part, a product of many years of listening to Fast Karate. Whenever I write a review or host a podcast, there's a little part of me that asks, what would Dave and Joel do? So here's the 10 more years of, as that one angry commenter called it, a phone call between two friends. I hope that many, many years from now in the far-flung future, I'll be able to recline in my Baron Harkonnen suspensors and watch the latest hologram episode of Fast Karate for the Gentleman from my Elon Musk moon apartment or whatever. Anyway, thank you for 10 years of Fast Karate and uh, congratulations again. Hey Dave and Joel, my name's Alex and I've been listening to your show since 7th grade. And uh, now I'm a junior in college, 
So if that doesn't make you feel old, I don't know what will. But I just want to thank you guys for everything you've done for me. I mean, I've grown up listening to you guys. I consider you good friends, and I listen to a lot of podcasts now, but I, if I had to throw them all away and keep one, I'd definitely keep all the episodes of yours. So thanks again, and uh, look forward to hopefully 10 more years. So keep on keeping on. Love you guys. Bye. Hey, this is Harrison Shoot. I just wanted to say thanks for 10 years of insight and humor. You know, everyone loves comedians and comedy movies, but those they'll always be limited because they exist for everyone. You know, like, nothing makes me laugh harder than fast karate. So my theory is that even though it's not the most popular podcast ever, it might just be the most beloved. So again, thank you guys for everything you've given us. I was about to wish you a happy 10th anniversary, but then I realized, happy, my god, I haven't been happy in 35 years. And that's why I came here to the old watering hole to drink some of my sorrows away. We really wish Let you Let me would. tell you what we have here. We've got 10 shots lined up in honor of your anniversary. Of course, you guys can't be here to do them with me, so I'm just gonna do them all. Here we go. Now you can't make that shot. That is to say, you shouldn't make that shot. Those shots are not for you. You did not pay for those shots. Oh, those were for the Irish wake. Woo! I wish I could feel that. I haven't felt anything in a long time. Sir, I've got so many other customers you, trying to You think you're so big, Evan? You think you're so big? Do you know who I am? I'm GoGo13. I never miss. Well, the urinal in the men's room tells a different story. Oh my gosh, shut up. 
I hate you so much. Look, I so want to kiss you right now. What? I said I want to kill you, Evan. What, you thought I said something else? You are one confused My young man. My name's not you know even that? Evan. Hello, ladies. No, Who wants don't... to take an eyebrow ride? Yeehaw! You're making everyone uncomfortable. Hey, hey, you need to calm down. You need to calm down. Look at me. I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally calm. I'm in control. You need to calm down. You, you're making a spectacle of yourself. You just, you're just embarrassing yourself, Evan. Quite frankly, I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry that you're such an hey. embarrassment. Hey, hey, everybody! I once bounced a bullet off of a wave. Who wants to hey, fuck me? Look. Whoa. Look, whatever your name is, GoGo13. My friends call me GoGo13, Evan. You can call me Golgotha Roman numeral XIII. You got to. Buddy. Seriously, seriously, you need to get out of here. I was, I was never there for you, Joey. I was never there for you. <laughs> Happy anniversary, Fast Karate. For the gentleman. Hello? Hello? Hey, somebody there who can pick this guy up? Hello? おばあちゃん。